Wounded Warrior Project is working to foster the most successful generation of veterans in our nation's history. One of the ways they do that is through adaptive sports. Veterans are some of the most resilient people on the planet. It's not about what you can't do after experiencing injury or illness. It's about tapping into what you can do. Learn more about how Wounded Warrior Project's adaptive sports programs are changing lives at www.woundedwarriorproject.org sports. This show is brought to you by K Jewelers. Listen up, NFL fans. K just dropped a collection of officially licensed NFL jewelry. Shop your favorite team in the True Fans Fine Jewelry Collection at k.com slash truefans. Gear up for the season and celebrate the love of the game with K. Rose for the end zone and it's intercepted. The third Buffalo takeaway today. An end zone throw. That's going to be a Buffalo touchdown to Gabriel Davis. But he's got the blocks. John Brown zooming inside the five. First and goal, Buffalo. Plenty of time for Josh Allen. Wide open. It's a touchdown, Buffalo Bills. This is the Buffalo Nerd with Colt Schroeder. What's up, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of the Buffalo Nerd. Uh, this week, I've got another special guest joining me. I'm pretty excited about this one. This dude's uh, deep in the fantasy world, and you know, you, the show's about numbers here and there. And I know it feels weird to a lot of people to want to chat fantasy right now, but I find that a lot of the fantasy guys are actually have really good draft knowledge because they're digging deep into numbers and they're doing a lot of different things. So, my guest that I brought, got on this week, I'm super excited to chat with. That's uh, Chase Vernon. Um, he's part of a bunch of different things. I could probably name off like 52 different things that Chase does right now. Um, but for like his main things, uh, he's another dude that's part of the Join Our Circle community. Um, if you guys remember, I had Jeff Bell on previously. Uh, Chase is actually uh, in that same group with him. Um, you know, he does a podcast. He writes for Dynasty Nerds. He's also got his own charity uh, that he, we're going to be chatting about as well. So uh, before I get too deep and name off everything about you, Chase, uh, why don't you go ahead and take the floor and uh, let us know a little bit about yourself. I think you pretty much covered it, man. I think you pretty much covered it. Uh, you, you hit every angle almost. Now, it's it's been fun getting into this community, right? Like I start out on Facebook and you know, very interactive on, on Facebook. We have a group over there, 24,000 people in it. And this this guy, Sal Lito, who runs the Podathon for the Scott Fishbowl, actually found me over there. And he's like, hey, you need to come check out Twitter. I was like, uh, you know, uh, sure, I'll go check it out. And at first it was like, you know, whatever, no big deal. But then I started realizing how much more interaction there is on Twitter when it comes to sensible, I guess, disagreements or, you know, comparisons or whatever you want to, you want to say, you get a little bit more of a, a sensible take from most people over there on Twitter compared to Facebook, where Facebook's just like, oh, screw this, screw that. Like, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's a whole big mess. It's a yeah. free for all. Great way of putting yeah. it. So your grand, your grandparents are on Facebook, right? They're probably not on Twitter, right? So you get their opinion on <laughs> Facebook, right? You know, so it's, it's definitely a different place. No, exactly. Exactly. So it's been fun. And, um, you know, I, I had this podcast rolling for, you know, what, God, close to two years now. But when I got into Twitter, it was rolling for about a year. Did like five shows a week. It's, you know, join our circle or it's actually called fantasy intervention, but everybody knows it as join our circle underscore on Twitter. But yeah, so 
I was writing for Dynasty Happy Hour at the time, and Dynasty Happy Hour decided to close up their writing side of things. They were only going to do the podcast. They were getting rid of the website. It was just too much headache for the owners. So I had a few of the writers actually come to me, and they're like, hey, you ever going to do anything with Fantasy Intervention? Because you obviously have a brand that's building over there. You're never going to do anything. I was like, I was thinking about turning it into a company maybe in the offseason, but you know, not in the middle of October when I'm doing 10 shows a week or so. I can't say no to anything. So before you know it, I have 40 writers and content providers, and I'm trying to build a website. By the way, I didn't even own a computer two years ago today. So, you know, sitting there and, and awesome. teaching myself, you know, how to how to run a podcast first off, you know, learning what GarageBand is, because I didn't know what GarageBand or Audible or any of that stuff was. Didn't know, you know, what kind of mics were. Right. You know, as it went on and as it progressed, we actually built up a relatively large community over there on Twitter, you know, where we give people an opportunity to kind of, uh, you know, do their own thing. Like we give them a voice. So it, it's been fun. Like we, we are just a platform essentially for people to put out their articles, put out their, their own things and to do their own shows, to do their own podcast, to, to do these things that we call quick shots, which are like these quick little, like three minute clips, you know, on a player and, and your take on a, a certain player. So it's, it's kind of like almost like a training you know, like a, a training course as to where, hey, you start here, you, you learn how to write, then you learn how to do these quick clips, and then you learn how to do a show, and then you can go do your own thing. So it's been a lot of fun. And we've actually had a lot of people kind of progress through it and get jobs in the industry so far, maybe not full time jobs, but you know, they found spots with the, the football guys and with what is it DFN, I believe. But anyways, so TF, yeah, yeah, TFN, it's been fun. yeah, yeah, yep. <laughs> Yeah, but you yeah, guys so are definitely doing a very cool thing over there. There, Yeah, it, it's allowed me to kind of branch out and make a bunch of connections. We had Sigmund Bloom on our show last night. That was pretty incredible to have a guy that's you know been a staple of the fantasy community for 20 years. And to have him on our show and be able to talk to him, it, it was it was amazing. But yeah, we, we're doing that. I'm not only just doing fantasy football stuff, though. We're actually teaching kids with special needs how to play fantasy football You know, in some yards. Uh, some yards are better than no yards. It's an old Madden saying. But yeah, so we're teaching kids with, with special needs how to play fantasy football. We get together every Monday. We talk about trades. We talk about how your players are formed, you know, and we interact because, you know, especially with COVID going on, it is such an important thing for kids with special needs to interact with other people. It, it's such a huge thing to, to be able to keep having them progress on a social level and, you know, give them an opportunity to actually do something in the real world. And then, yeah, we, we, I just, I got everything going on. It's been fun. Obviously you brought up the writer for, you know, dynasty nerds. I'm also a ranker as well. I actually probably do more ranking for them than I do writing, but yeah, it's, it's been kind of crazy and we have some big things in the plans as well, you know, coming up this year. Yeah, it's very cool. I know your community is all over the place. You guys cover all sorts of different stuff. Everybody's got their own spin on it, which is cool, like you mentioned, right? Because I think a, a lot of when the fantasy stuff first started is there was the few people that the national you know platforms decided to choose as the folks that were going to be the people that were going to be known as the fantasy football guys, right? That you went to for all of your knowledge. And people did that for the longest time, but there's like everybody's going to the same place for knowledge. Nobody's getting an edge or, or finding a different way to view it or learning something something new, which has been cool. And that's what I enjoy about, you know, jumping in with your guys's group when I am and stuff is because it's teaching me different ways to look at things. Right. And that's part of what I wanted this show to be about too, which was very cool, you know, cause at the nerd, we do like to highlight a charity every week. So when we were talking prior, you're like, well, we could just highlight my charity. And I was like, oh, 
wait a second, you have a charity. So I started looking and I was like, oh, very cool. Some yards, you know, this is awesome. And then I was like, wait, um, hey, dude, I have a 13 year old who has cerebral palsy. Um, are you still going to be doing your leagues this year and stuff, you know, which is very cool. So the reach out and just meeting random people. Right. And I, I kind of want to know, though, uh, Chase, what did, what turns you down the road of deciding that you guys wanted to do some yards? Like what brought you to that? Because it's a very cool concept. And I can not until I saw it. Did I really re- think about it and go, oh, yeah, there's probably nobody that's really making sure that these kids are involved in fantasy football as well. Right. The same way that other kids are. Yeah, I mean, some kids love football, right? Like, you know, regardless whether you have special needs or not, some kids love football. Some kids attach themselves to football, like to kind of escape whatever world they're dealing with. Um, Other kids just love fantasy football because they love the numbers and, you know, they love the players. Some kids love fantasy football because they, uh, you know, they, they have their team or they grew up on it. So there's there's multiple different reasons as to why a kid could attach themselves to fantasy football. The thing is, it's like, you know, how do you get them involved, you know, with the community that will enable them to, to practice and to play and to learn the right ways. And that's probably the toughest part, especially with fantasy football, because there are so many different variations of rules, of settings, everything like that. So, you know, kids that, that you know, have these special needs, they don't always have the ability to reach out and ask somebody to learn. You know, it's very uncomfortable for them in a lot of cases. And so back when, I guess, probably about three months before the season started with COVID and everything happened and everything isolated, I was actually planning on launching some yards better than no yards as one of my segments or one of my shows that I do where it's very beginner level type fantasy football. And I would do it like once a week and it could be for, uh, Oh, sorry. That's my dog. Uh, it could be for, I don't know. Uh, it could be for beginners that are kids or maybe, you know, spouses that want to get involved in it where the other one's really into right. the other person doesn't know. It's just literally an, you know, an entry level type lesson. And then I was actually talking to one of my friends about it and her son has special needs. And she was sitting there and she was telling me how she had to watch over him and she couldn't leave the house because we were supposed to have a business meeting. And I was like, well, you know, do you have any time? Like, do you drop your son off at camp or anything like that in order to, to have some free time? And she's like, no, everything's canceled. And I was like, like all kind of social activities are canceled. And yeah, it pretty much was for all the kids with special needs. And I was like, man, I had a stepbrother that had Down syndrome. And I couldn't imagine him having to be inside of a house by himself and not being able to communicate with other kids his age and be able to socialize and, and be able to, to learn and progress. Uh, you know, I couldn't imagine that happening for him and how detrimental it would have been for his progress. And so I looked into it a little bit, and it actually is tremendously detrimental to separate these kids from the social world because, you know, this is how they, they learn how to socialize, especially at the ages of, you know, what, 10 through 15 or so. This is where they will develop skills that will allow them to get real, real world jobs, you know, and, and other things like that. So it slowly became a passion of mine and we launched it off this past year and it was, it was amazing. It, it, it was so much fun being able to talk with these kids every Monday and being able to kind of educate them and seeing their eyes light up when their players scored certain amount of points or whatever. It was, it was incredible. Yeah, I mean, we all love fantasy football, right? It's fun. Well, it's discouraging on some weeks, that's for sure, right? So it's nice for them to have uh, somebody there that can tell them like, hey, you got to, it's okay. Like, it's okay. Your guy will be back next week, right? Like, it's okay. Don't freak out, right? You know, so it's very cool, Chase. I really applaud 
uh, for whatever it's worth to you, I applaud what, what you're doing with that, man. That's, um, uh, I think it's very, very cool. Uh, you know, it takes a, a lot of people don't realize that doing like foundations or organizations and setting up even things like that, that's a lot of extra time and energy, right. That, you know, you're committing Plus. to it. Right. And, you know, a lot of times that's, uh, to no pay coming back on the other side of that either. Right. So it's just, you're doing it purely just for the love of doing it. And it's a time commitment. And I, I, I'm excited to see uh, Calvin get into it this year and hopefully it invigorates his, you know, kind of drive to want to do it too. Right. To like have fun with it again, because I don't think he's ever really taken it that seriously. Right. But like, I think it's easy for him to get discouraged doing it or not really want to pay attention to it. So I think it would be fun to have other kids that he could catch up with every week and be like, Hey, yeah, that was fun. Or, you know, man, and actually learn how to do it. Cause I don't think when I went through it, I was actually ever taught how to actually do it right. I think most people just jump in and they think, oh yeah, I got this. Right? Like quarterback, running back, running back. Yeah, whatever. I can do that. You know, right. And so it's cool that you're putting together like a training kind of platform too for people to get into. I really like that. Yeah, it, it's it was fun. It was a lot of fun. So yeah, very cool. And it, all the notes to it and everything will be uh, in there. And I, you said uh, I think when we were chatting, you're going to be getting ready to open up registration once we get closer to the season and everything like that, right? Yeah, it'll probably be about a month or two just because I have so much going on with the fantasy football side of things that I need to be able to to kind of focus. Like you said, it's a lot of time to be able right. to set these things up. So I, I have to make sure that I go through the proper channels, through the proper, you know, people to to bring kids on to make sure that, you know, we can actually have this. And we're actually talking about doing a live version of this, like uh, not just live over over video conferencing, but live in person for any local kids that want to meet up and talk in person. So we're, we're going to explore a few different avenues with this. We're going to see, you know, what we can make happen and, you know, where, where the most, uh, or the biggest area that the kids can benefit from. Right. That's very cool. And it'll be nice that we can get back to that too, right? When kids can actually get back outside and they can get back in a room with each other and everybody can enjoy it again in person instead of just uh, from couch to couch. I mean, it's great that we've got all this live stuff that we can get in with each other and we can check in with each other and see each other and everything, right? Like our society would be a mess right now if we didn't at least have this. So uh, it's very cool. I love the idea. Uh, all, everything will be linked in the show notes and we'll run it back again once Chase is getting ready to uh, actually, you know, get the registrations open to everybody. We'll make sure we shoot it back out to, to the show again to get, you know, if you got friends, kids, anybody that's got special needs you think you'd be into it you know it's an awesome program so very excited for that so yeah, you can find us on yeah. twitter at some yards and then on facebook i believe it's facebook.com slash some yards but you can just search it and it should come up some yards are better than no yards on perfect yeah and i'll make sure to find it and get it in the notes so you guys have whatever link you need to get to it <laughs> So uh, the other reason that I wanted to bring Chase on is because I mentioned kind of a little bit is that the fantasy guys know their numbers, right? And they tend to pay attention to what's taking pl- place in the, in the NFL and they see tend to see what's going on kind of in general as the NFL is a, a system instead of just individual teams, right? Like everybody kind of is following the same programming or trying to do the same things so with the draft coming up first off do you do you think or for any reason whatsoever that you would say trevor lawrence is not the first brown guy the first pick in this draft is there something that you've seen or anything that would be like you know i actually think there's somebody better than him no trevor lawrence is one of the best prospects to ever you know come out anybody that's sitting there saying zach wilson could be better or justin fields could be better i mean maybe for fantasy purposes justin fields could be better but it's Trevor Lawrence. He's the one I want. And I think it's pretty obvious at this point. 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't think many people are really, it feels like one of those ones. Like if, if we went back in the day, like if RG three and, and luck didn't come out in the same year, right. It would have been like Lux, the hundred percent, the guy period dot end of story. Nobody would question it. It feels like it's one of those again, right. It's just like, why question it? He's won so much. You're, and unfortunately I don't like where he's going to end up and I don't think it's going to be a great situation, but he is the best player. I think. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how Urban Meyer runs things down there in Jacksonville. I, I believe that they're just going to spread it out. They're going to do a lot of four wide receiver sets. They're going to allow James Robinson to pretty much, you know, pound it up the middle, but not in like a traditional sense. It'll be in a more of a spread offense sense. So you saw them bring in a ton of speed, right? They brought in Marvin Jones Jr. from Detroit. You know, he brings a, a speed element, and they brought him Philip Dorsett. Who I don't even know how he's still in the league right now, but he is. And right? he is I know. a stretch the field yeah. type guy. But yeah, sitting there and looking he's at it, they're probably going to play a right? lot he's of... He's a pro, right? He's a pro. He's a pro. They're going to play a lot of 4 rider right. series. He knows sets, how to run that's routes. That's pretty much right? where it's leading to. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of... And they pretty much are basically saying it anyways, right? That there's... Unless somebody like goes gung-ho trying to get up and get them. If somebody offered you the farm, would you... If you were Jacksonville, would you pass on him? I did, no, there's nothing you could offer me to pass on Trevor Lawrence, like nothing. Yeah. Okay. So let's move to the number two spot then, because it is a AFC East team, right? In the jets. Uh, if you're in that spot, what are you doing? So there's a bunch of rumors going around that, that, you know, the Eagles traded back because they felt like they couldn't get Zach Wilson. And there's two reasons why that could happen. The Jets, they really love Zach Wilson. And that's the rumor that's going around is, you know, Jets are locked and they're going to take it. What if the Eagles tried to get that number two spot and the Jets said, hey, we could take Zach Wilson with this pick. You know, we might take Zach Wilson with this pick. You better offer us something more. And the Eagles just weren't comfortable with the level that the Jets were offering or asking for in an offer, you know, something along the lines of like maybe four first round picks or something like that. At that point, Mm -hmm. the Eagles said, we don't have any chances of getting Zach Wilson. We're just going to trade back. So that led people to believe that the Jets are, you know, just going gung ho for for Zach Wilson. I don't know if that's the case. If I were the Jets, I would try and trade back personally and, you know, get a guy like Penny Sewell who could help out on that offensive line to protect Darnold for one, one more year and give Darnold a shot. But, uh, you know, with that being said, I still think that if the Jets draft at number two overall, that they're going to end up taking Zach Wilson. I don't think it's the best move for them. I think that they should take Penny Sewell there. But the only way that the Jets don't take Zach Wilson is most likely going to be if they don't trade back. And you think Wilson's better than Fields? I personally do not. I like Chase or I like Justin Fields a lot more. I think that Justin Fields offers, you know, a ton of upside. I think that he can, you know, freeze defenders in the box which could open up targets for the slot guy underneath or potentially the tight end so i think that justin fields is you know heads above zach wilson but you know that that fade left you know throw across your body throw at the combine you know the the, the thing that everybody's hyping up and stuff like zach wilson's just too raw man and i know that joe burrow only had one successful year in college really you know and that's that's what they're saying. You know, he could be Joe Burrow with his success. I don't, I don't see that happening. He has too many mechanical fa- failures uh, to be, you know, a year one producer at, at the earliest, I guess. And, and it's going to take him a couple years to get adjusted to the NFL. If he ever does, if the jets even get an offensive line, because if not, he's going to get crushed. 
Yeah, I mean, I've been saying from the get go that I would, if I was the Jets, I'd be shooting to trade it. You know, give me, give me picks. I mean, yeah. I mean, I need more than just a quarterback at this point, right? And I think Joe Douglas is a competent GM. And if you gave him more picks, especially when you've got an organization in Buffalo that's already winning, you've got Miami who's got picks for centuries now, right? Like they're they're loading up all the talent in the world down there too. I feel like you need to feel be in that same boat. And then there's that you see the thing uh, trickling around today that they put out their like ticket stuff, and it's got Sam Darnold all over it. Like he's the image guy for mm. all of their ticket sales and like all this stuff. That's so, interesting. Yeah, that that was trickling around today that that was out there. So I'm, I'm curious if they actually are just going to move back and roll with Darnold again, because I don't believe he's ever been handed the right pieces to the puzzle. And Adam Gase is a terrible football coach. So uh, I yes, Darnold's made bad decisions and I've seen him make lame ass duck throws and things like that. But I still think he could do better with a better situation. So. Yeah, it's. Uh, Darnold just hasn't gotten the shot and we can sit there and we can look at Darnold and see certain plays where you're like, Oh, that's an NFL quarterback. Now, unfortunately you could see plays where you're like, Oh, that's not an NFL quarterback. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, he's been throwing to what Rashad Perryman, you know, James Crowder. I don't even remember who his receivers were last year. Yeah, I mean, Crowder is his stud wide receiver. I mean, that tells you the situation, right? Like he was the stud. Yeah. But Denzel I mean, they had a couple guys played in a handful of games. Anudo played well for a couple of little bits of the season here and there, but yeah, he hasn't really had a, a solid. Bl- and when they, they took away his running game, right. When they got rid of Le'Veon early on, they took away his running game. He's never really had a lot around him, but I am he's a Bills fan. Yeah. Well, I am a Bills fan too. So I'm quite okay. If they want to throw the dice and real go after Wilson and, and bank the future on him too. Cause I'm okay with struggle for another 10 years in New York, if that's the way that they want to go. Right. You know, so mm. I just, to me personally, at, unless you're a hundred percent sold on that guy, and I, I'm trading back, right? I get it. You got to put all the smoke you can out there that you like him, right? So somebody wants to come up and get him, but I'd be fielding every offer under the sun right now. Like, yeah, I, I need to move out of this spot. Even if it's back yeah, just a little. That's tough. Yeah, it's tough. You always need somebody on the other side of it, right? That's the big, the big problem is you could trade all you want, but there's got to be somebody else that wants to trade with you. So let's chat a little bit about um, what you think the Bills should do at 30. Then, or Yeah, 30. We'll be back there at 30. So what do you think would be a good idea for the Bills? We haven't changed much during the offseason, brought in a couple pieces, lost a couple little things, but pretty much brought everybody back. Where would you think would be the biggest piece of the puzzle for the Bills? Jumping all the way from 2 to 30, huh? Put well, that on me. All right. We can go in between. What do you want to talk about in between? No, no, it's all right. Um, I mean, what do you think Miami uh, would do with their stuff then? Oh, do you want to talk Miami? Yeah, we can. Um, so we'll stay in the division. Let's. What do you think about Miami? What are they going to so do? So Miami still wanted a stud, and essentially they like they weren't going to take a quarterback at, at three. There's no chance that was going to happen. So, you know, they they wanted a stud, but they didn't want to get too far out of the range. So they weren't able to get a stud. They already have a ton of picks as it is. You know, they freed it up. Now they need a superstar. So at six, right? It's going to be up in the air whether. You know, let's just say the first three picks are at quarterback, right? We had the 49ers taking a quarterback mm-hmm. for sure. The Jets are likely to take a quarterback. If not, they're going to trade out, and whoever's trading in is most likely going to take a quarterback, and the Jacks take a quarterback. Now, Atlanta, do they wait one more year and try and sure up that line with Matt Ryan, go with like a Penny Sewell? You know, do they try and replace Julio Jones because he's getting up there in age? It's like they've done for the past, what, 10-plus years now where they draft a, a wide receiver before the, the stud is, is ready to move on. But, it, you know, they're still taking a downtick or downturn in the production. You know, so they, do they go with like a Jamar Chase possibly? 
Um, do they go defense? Like maybe a Micah Parsons at linebacker, but you know, I still think that they could end up going quarterback. I, I think quarterback makes a lot of sense. And if they don't go quarterback, it would make sense to trade out of it. Now the issue is it's like one of the major teams that's going to need a quarterback are the Panthers and they're not going to trade back with the Panthers who's inner division in order to give them a quarterback who right. could be used to beat them for the next some odd years. So that's where it gets a little bit curious as to where they go. But I think at this point, if the right quarterbacks on the board, you'll see four quarterbacks go right off the bat, which leaves the the two studs of the draft when it comes to Penny Sewell and Jamar Chase on the boards and the Bengals are up, right? The Bengals go out and protect Joe Burrow, which I think that they should, or do they go after Jamar Chase to give him, you know, Joe Burrow his his uh, teammate from college, you know, the guy that that they broke all the mm-hmm. records with? So, I think it's very intriguing at that point. But whichever one the Bengals don't go with, the Dolphins should. So either Jamar Chase at that point or Penny Sewell. Now let's just say that neither one of those guys are on the board. I think you go with you know Devonta Smith or Jalen Waddle, whichever one you like more. Um, but at that point, you're looking for offensive weapons. That defense was dominant last year, you know, and, and I think that they just need to get this offense, you know, on the right track. So I think that they still put themselves in a position to draft a stud offensive player at six while still gaining an extra first round pick, essentially, which is what they they came away with from this from this draft or from those trades. Right. You see uh, Pitts there at all? You go that high and take Pitts. Oh, and Pitts give, would make sense too. Pitts would make sense. Get the too, best tight end that you could get. The Dolphins and the Bengals both have very similar, uh, you know, needs, except for the, the Bengals have more of them and have more needs on the defensive side of things. But I don't think there's a defensive stud, you know, that really belongs there outside of maybe Micah Parsons. But Micah Parsons, you know, has character concerns. So I don't think that the Bengals will go that route. They've been pretty clear that they don't want those types of players on their team. So we'll see what happens with that. But I, you know, I. I think that God Pitts could go to to the Bengals or to the Dolphins as well, and and they could use him as a wide receiver. Just doesn't have to be a tight end. So you could see a lot of plays where the Dolphins could have Kaseki and Kyle Pitts on the field simultaneously. Right. Yeah, and, I, and they're in a position with another pick later too, where I feel like they could go Pitts in a good wide receiver later, or Pitts in a good running back later, and they could end up with two of the best offensive weapons on you know, from the running back position, wide receiver position, or tight end position coming out of the first round. I mean, their defense was yeah. good last year. They don't need a ton on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, they traded away a couple of, they traded away, uh, you know, Jordan Phillips, um, you know, so maybe they'll be looking for something there, but, or not Jordan Phillips, uh, Shaq Lawson, excuse me, but so maybe they'll be looking for something there, but I'm a little nervous that they're going to get two very nice offensive weapons. Then the only issue would be, I still don't think two is the guy, but they would have two very nice offensive weapons. Yeah, it's it's going to be very interesting to see you know where the Dolphins end up because I think that they're this could be the best rebuild we've ever seen mm-hmm. like in NFL history. It's all going to hinge I, on I, that quarterback, though. It will, but I think it was more of the the play calling style than it was Tua. Also, the offensive line. Also, the fact that he's throwing to Devontae Parker and Lynn Bowden as his top two assets, or you know maybe you could throw Gasecki in there. Yeah, but I mean. They're gonna. This is gonna be an offensive draft, very similar to how we saw Carolina go straight defense across the board last year. I think mm-hmm. we can see the same thing with Miami, except for straight offense across the board, even with all the draft picks that they have. 
Right. Yeah, they definitely need some firepower because they're seeing if they want to compete, you know, with the Bills, they're going to have to score a lot of points potentially, right? So you need to you need to have guys that can score and you want to be fast, especially in a division with Kansas City. You know, you're, you know you're going to have to run into them probably again to get to the Super Bowl, right? So you need to come with some speed. That's our Achilles heel right now, I think, is we don't have a ton of speed at the running back position that really hindered us last year. So since we're just cruising through, let's stay in the AFC East then. Uh, what does New England do? Uh, it didn't look oh, like okay. Belichick was too uh, thrilled about uh, watching Mac Jones work out the other day. So uh, are they... How could you tell? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he probably wasn't even like... He had just walked up and like wasn't even paying attention to a single thing and was just shaking his head right for all we know. But uh, you think they're just going to roll with Cam? It feels weird for them to try to go for a quarterback that late almost. I... So I, I'm not a big fan of Mac Jones, but I think if Mac Jones could work anywhere, it would be in New England. And Mac Jones actually reminds me a lot of Jimmy Garoppolo. So, and, and in different ways, by the way. Like, I don't think they're the exact same player, but he reminds me in very similar ways. And we know that the Patriots really liked Jimmy Garoppolo. So we could see Mac Jones get drafted there. I think it makes sense. Um, but we could also see them add a field stretcher, you know, possibly or a more dominant wide receiver. I think that's very possible. And then... We could see them, you know, get back on like the linebacker type role, you know, and, and try and, and grab a linebacker at that point, like if Micah Parsons does fall that far. So the New England Patriots for me are a very, very interesting team with how they attack free agency. I think that they're setting up all these different, like, I guess, pieces, right, where you have tight end. And if you don't have a superstar tight end, it's not going to make that much of a difference, you know, between like the the mid level guys and low end guys, so they went and got some of the I guess more dominant tight ends from a fantasy. I mean, from a non fantasy aspect, from a football sense, you know, players that can block, players that can you know get receptions at the red zone and whatnot. So I, I feel like they got all these pieces into place right now to where they can go out and they can invest their capital, very similar to the Dolphins, by the way, in studs. You know, these superstar type players. So we'll see what happens exactly because that's normally not the Patriots' way. Normally they do it opposite, where they draft these these players who you know are pretty much like role players essentially, and then they go out and they sign like the Randy Mosses of the world. That's not the the way that you know we've seen things happen. Even like the Stefan Gilmore, who you know you're familiar with, obviously being a Bills fan. But yeah, yeah, they yeah. definitely have to do a complete 180 on the way they they build. Yeah, so now I think that they could we you know could see them go after a few studs because they're not going to have a tremendous amount of cap to be able to go out and sign players like they normally do and, and find that one you know superstar player at a position that matters. So now they're going to have to draft it, and I think that that's going to be the route that they go. But it's very hard to tell with New England; we never know what they're going to do. Right. I still feel like they're just going to trade back like they naturally do. Right. They're just so used to naturally always. It feels like they're always at the end of the first round. Right. So they just move back and are like, whatever. I feel like they're going to do that same thing again this year and it's just going to benefit them again. But they're definitely not getting the same talent in free agency as they were in years past. Right. So they are going to have to be better at hitting in the draft than they have in some previous years. But it, it, it all still boils down to what they're going to do either way, right? They have brought in some pieces to the puzzle now that definitely changes the way that you have to approach them again, um, you know, with the possibility of having the two tight ends running at you again. They worked really well for them in the past, but it was the past, so, so I don't know that it can work again, and I don't know that they obviously don't have Tom Brady throwing the ball again right so we'll see but yeah I, I do believe that they are in a position where they could just sit there and take the best guy available that falls to them right because they yeah, they, they can't change it all right now right they're not going to change it all 
So, all right, so now we can hit back to 30. The Buffalo Bills are on the clock, and we're going to select. I really, like, disclaimer, I'm a huge Kadarius Tony fan. I know certain people don't like him because he didn't produce until his senior year and yada, 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 but – like he's not a burner, right? He's not a speedster. That's not what he does. He's like a technician, very similar to Cole Beasley, but like 10 times better. He's physical. He maintains his balance when he takes hits. So he doesn't go down very easily. Like, I mean, he's like a tackle breaking machine and the dude's not big, but he's, he just plays very low to the ground, very great center of gravity. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm falling in love with this guy. And I think the NFL is going to start falling in love with him too. He tested very, very well when it came to his agility drills and his, uh, his burst drills, essentially. I think he had like an 11, mm-hmm. uh, 11 foot, four inch broad jump for like a guy that's like six, wow. six foot. That's insane. Uh, and then he had a, a yeah. 40 and a half inch vertical leap. Insane. And Cole Beasley's contract, as we discussed prior to the show, they can end up cutting his contract and saving a ton of money while only seeing $1.5 million in dead cap after the 2021 season. Well, Cole Beasley struggles to stay healthy anyways. I mean, that's always been a knock on him. But he's also not a dynamic athlete. He knows how to get open. He's very intelligent. But what if the Bills draft Kadarius Toney to essentially take over for Cole Beasley, give him you know one year to sit behind him, and then all of a sudden you guys have a stud you know, field stretcher slash alpha and Stefan Diggs. You have possession receiver and Gabriel Davis. You have Isaiah Hodgins still waiting in the wing, right? You know, he, he was drafted last year in like the fifth round, was it? Or seventh? Yeah, round? it was like fifth round. Yeah, he and he was supposedly supposed to be better than Gabe Davis. Right. So we uh, well, don't know what we're gonna get after, there yet either. He was drafted after Gabe Davis, but I believe that he uh is a tremendous red zone target like he's that type of guy that's back shoulder fades jump balls contested catches like that's the type of player he is so you guys got great hands yeah 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 so you have two you know above average let's just say for now for conversation purposes possession receivers and then you get this dynamic playmaker in the slot to set up josh allen for the next how many years to come at least five years minimum before one of these players needs a new contract well we'll say three years for a new contract, but you know, they can still tag, they can, you know, extend on what will probably not be the most expensive when it comes to Gabriel Davis. We have to wait and see what happens with Isaiah Hodgins. But I think that it's the right play to go with a wide receiver at this point. Now y'all still are going to need a cornerback opposite of Tredavious white and possibly to, you know, take over for Tredavious white. He struggles with bigger, more physical, uh, you know, wide receivers, like we saw him struggle with DK Metcalf, for example, this past year. You know, every time I've seen Tredavious White struggle, it's pretty much been against a guy that's like 6'3 or bigger. But, I mean, he's 5'10", so it's almost like it's expected. I think he's 5'10", right? Yeah, it's right in there. He's he's not a big, he's not a big tall guy. He's still physical. He's still physical as hell, but, yeah. you know, he's not he's a, a taller he's guy. He's a great cornerback. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm not knocking Travis White, but maybe you guys need to go out and acquire one of these taller corners. I don't have, uh, you know, somebody off the top of my head that would actually fit that that description. I haven't di- uh, completely dove into dove into you feel my like they're, um, cornerback rankings, but you feel like they're 100 percent in just a draft best possible player, though, right? I mean, there's no, there should be no right. It should just be like you know, we like this guy the best, and that's it. Like, 
if Kyle Pitts falls to him, no, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, no, they're <laughs> right. They're pretty much. I think they need edge. I think what they about need the running backs though. What are the top three running backs? All three of them. You could don't potentially need a running back. There. Your quarterback has a running back. Right. Well, we need speed at the running back. That would be a fantasy owner's worst nightmare if one of these top options went to the Bills. But I think the Bills know better. I think the Bills are smart in how they've drafted their running backs. Like, I think that Devin Singletary isn't as bad as what people have been led to believe i just don't think he gets the opportunities you know i think that he's yeah, a very he physical doesn't. running back for his size yeah he's to me he's he's lost a little bit um, from what i saw from the first year to the second year i had already thought zach moss would be would step over him in this last season and i think if zach didn't get hurt and he didn't have an early fumble against san francisco in that game that we probably would have saw he's more built for what we were trying to do. And later in the season, he's built for the cold weather a little bit, but I view like if we had like Etney available there, I don't see him as the running back per se, right? I see him as the weapon. Like I see him as the guy that could potentially go to the slot. He could be the guy that you're flanking out. He could be the guy that you're everywhere that just gives us an extra piece of speed, but we do need help at cornerback. It sounds like it's going to, it's going to come down again to Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson at this point, unless we do draft another one, which I anticipate we will draft a cornerback at some point during this. I don't see any other way around it. Uh, it might not be first round, but it, it, second or third round, we will get a cornerback. It just feels like the right thing to do. I just looking at like Brian uh, Dable and his draft history. I mean, his, I'm sorry, his coaching history. They just never really have that, that dominates uh, like running back weapon. I mean, you know, he's with the Patriots. He was with Alabama, who he normally does, but he's with the Patriots. He's with the Chiefs back in 2012. Um, the Dolphins prior to that, the Browns in 2009, 2010, the Jets. Like there's never been a, a team that has a dominant running back outside of maybe Bama. And I just don't think he coaches that way either. Like if he coached that way, then I think that they, they would have gotten, um, you know, uh, um, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss more involved than what they have been because Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, they were still efficient overall. They, you know, sure. Zach Moss did have a bad fumble and whatnot. And then he got hurt. But I mean, like when he was on the field, when he got the opportunities, he was fine. Like he was good, but the issue is the opportunity. So for them to sit there and to waste, and I'm saying waste, like, <clears throat> um, like on purpose, essentially, because I think that you can end up wasting a draft pick if you don't utilize them to their full potential. And I don't think that Josh Allen and Brian Dable ever will end up doing that. So I think that they would waste a draft pick if they took a running back in the first round. They'd also waste the, the capital they spend on the draft picks already if they try and grab a dominant one. And then all of a sudden, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss just go sit in a corner. Right. Yeah. I mean, you've already invested, you know, two third round picks in your backfield as it is. Right. So I can see that. And that's, that's a good point that maybe they will just view it as, Hey, we, we don't really use a, this guy a lot. So unless we are going to be able to for sure get him in the game for 25 touches every single game, then we probably can't draft him right here. Right. Like, because that's where our, we're not going to get the value that we're, we're putting up right here. So that's a good point. I like, I like that view. So cool. So we kind of span through the draft a little bit. Let's chat real quickly about um, just fantasy a little bit. And just uh, okay. tell people a little bit about like your strategy. You've been doing it for a long time. So say you're coming into a redraft league. What's your like main thing that you try to do when you're getting ready to do a redraft? What's your goals? What are you trying to accomplish? So I only play in one redraft league now. Uh, I might get in a couple more this upcoming season. Uh, last year, I think I played in like five, but I only have like one regular league that I play in. Um, but with redraft, it, it's all just dependent on 
I guess, you know, how, like where you land in your draft. But for the most part, I'm, I'm normally trying to get my stud running backs early. That's something that's like crucial for me because of the fact that like stud running backs, they, they separate themselves so much. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I did a study and the biggest degree of separation between like your tier one and your tier two guys comes to the running back position where it's almost like a 20, I think it's 24.5% difference in scoring from your top end to like that next tier. So I think wide receiver was significantly lower outside of, I think, Michael Thomas uh, back in 2019, who, you know, no other wide receivers were doing it, but the ball's getting spread around more often out wide receiver. So when you try to go wide receiver early, like you talk about, you know, a lot of guys went with Chris Godwin this past year. I mean, Devontae Adams was really the only, you know, first round, round wide receiver that paid off, right? And in a lot of cases, he didn't even go mm-hmm. to the second round. So I try to get my stud running back first. And then if there's a tier one wide receiver, but I think the most important thing that, that people need to do is draft in tiers. So if you go on my rankings on Dynasty Nerds and you check out my tiers, you'll see, or you check out my rankings, right? You'll see like five running backs, or it's probably more than that. It's probably like 10 running backs. And no, it's like five. And then it's like two wide receivers. And then it's like five more running backs. And then it's like, three wide receivers, and then Travis Kelsey for redraft purposes. Maybe George Kittle. And then it's like five more running backs, and then like five more wide receivers, and then another, like Darren Waller maybe, and then a quarterback. So essentially like you're drafting in tiers of importance. And you have to realize like there are certain outcomes for players, right, where their upside is here, like or their upside is, I can't really say here because I'm on a video, or I'm not going to be on video, <laughs> right. but their upside is like, I don't know, um, you know, we'll say 80 catches, you know, for 1,000 yards and five touchdowns. That's like, or we'll say seven touchdowns. That's their upside. Their downside is like 65 catches for 800 yards and three touchdowns, right? And there are a certain amount of players that can actually fit into this category. So, you know, they could see a floor and they could see a ceiling. And that's where you kind of want to plug these guys into. And that's how you want to draft is based off of, of tiering to make sure that you can have this amount of guys that you can pick from that are all going to have a very similar output. So for example, like your tier one guys, if, you know, Saquon didn't get hurt, Saquon didn't get hurt. You had, uh, and Chris McCaffrey didn't get hurt. You had Saquon, you had Chris McCaffrey, you have Al Kamara. They all have three very similar outcomes when it comes to fantasy points put out. So if you're picking one through three, you have no problem getting one of these guys over the other. Like, do you remember how many people are arguing about the 101? The 101 doesn't matter because the 101 rarely finishes out as the 101, but he's still most of the time will finish out as long as, you know, injuries don't equate to it. He'll still finish out as a top five option at the position. So you have to understand like there are multiple different outcomes that can happen. Injuries can happen, everything like that. Like you just have to feel good about picking a player in this particular range. So when it comes to the running back position or when it comes to drafting as a whole in the first round, I try and get my tier one running backs. And if I can't have them, I'll grab my tier two running backs. And if I can't have them, then I'll grab my tier one wide receiver. Right. And then after that second round comes around, you know, I'll grab my, uh, what is it? tier three running backs or, or it'll be tier one running back or tier one wide receiver if they're still on the board or tier three running backs 
So you pretty much are just drafted in tiers like to try and give yourself the most assessed value possible when it comes to, you know, end of year projections. Gotcha. Hope I, so, didn't, hope I didn't throw you too much off on that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. I like that because, well, for me, I, I was following you along and shaking. I'm sure everybody will get it when you really think about it, that it's just it's it's why you hear this, the draft value scores, right? Like you hear different things like of what you're getting for where you're picking, right? Like you mentioned, yeah, your one one guy ain't going to finish one one. Right. You got to understand that. But he is probably going to be in the top five. And that's what you're hoping for. Right. Either way. So you just stick with that value. So I get that. I, I've always been that way. Running back top priority. Plus, I feel like they take a beating a lot more than the wide receivers do. Right. So you I've they get the ball more, but they also take a beating more. So I tend to carry as many good running backs as I can. And I'll definitely slouch on the wide receiver position if I have to in order. I, sometimes I get there and I'm like, this is wide receiver time. And then I just look and there's another running back there. And I'm like, no, just do the running back again. Just do it again. Right. Like it's going to, it's going to work. Right. So I probably do it too often where I go running back heavy, but I, I agree with it. I don't know. I haven't won a lot with it lately though. So that's why I like uh, chatting with you guys to see if there's different things floating around that you guys were trying out. Well, you know, you, the biggest thing that you can do if you go running back heavy is hit on an upside wide receiver. So you like in the, where is it? The third, fourth, fifth rounds, right? When you start trying to tackle wide receiver positions, if you can find a guy that, that hits as a wide receiver one, who wasn't projected to finish as a wide receiver one, that's where you actually start to, you know, see your, your, you know, your turns happening. Like you start making money, you start winning championships is when you can predict the correct wide receiver who wasn't selected in round one later on in that draft with the running back position. It's a lot more consistent of the projected players who are going to finish because of volume primarily, but touchdowns for wide receivers are very hard to predict. Um, Same thing with big plays. So when it comes to hitting a wide receiver, like a Will Fuller, for example, it's perfect except for the fact he got suspended. But if Will Fuller would have finished out his year, he was hitting touchdowns, he was hitting big plays, and he was also being drafted, what, the seventh, eighth, ninth round, something along those lines. Like I don't even know if it was that high up. So Probably not that high, yeah. It's hitting on those, those wide receivers where you can't predict touchdowns and you can't predict big plays, but you can still see it happening because they're in a position to do so. With the running back, they're... You know, the only way that you're going to see a, a player produce at a high level that you don't expect to is if there's a clear path in order to do that. Like what we saw with with, you know, James Robinson, maybe or Miles Gaskin, you know, which is harder to predict than, than big plays and touchdowns. because We can't predict that, you know, all of a sudden Jacksonville is going to cut, you know, they're starting running back out of nowhere. Right. And go with uh, an undrafted rookie like that was that wouldn't be. Oh, and a Zigbo who's projected to be the starter ended up getting COVID for the whole entire year. Essentially. Right. So I don't even know what happened. Right. I hope he's all right. And then they find out that they just have a stud sitting there in the waiting, right? Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's impossible to predict. Like you can't see that. And then, you know, you have these zero RB truthers that were like, Oh, you could just pick up, you know, the guys that get hurt. You want to know how many people wasted their entire budget on Devonte Freeman, right? When he was supposed to be good with the giants or yeah. even Wayne Gallman to an extent, like, yep. you know, that, most of those running backs, nine times out of 10, they don't work out. But if you find a stud like a Miles Gaskin, you know, that's where you, you can kind of cash in. But that's very, very hard to predict. And then you also have to to spend fab on it and hope it's the right guy when most of them are. Yeah, it's definitely uh, – I like that approach. And I, where do you stand on uh, picking players on your home team? Are you a pro picking players on your home team or do you do you kind of shy away from it? I guess I'm a Washington fan. Like, you know, I've kind of – 
renounced my fandom, but it's kind of been growing back on me this offseason with the direction that they're going and how things are being handled in Washington. But I've always separated my my fandom from football, from fantasy. Mm-hmm. Like I have a few shares of Antonio Gibson. I think I have like one share of Antonio Gandy Golden in a 30 person dynasty league or 30 roster dynasty mm-hmm. league. I don't think I have any other shares of any Washington. I don't even have any McLaurin, I don't think. Just because I wasn't, you know, early to the party on him. So I don't normally let that affect me at all. I don't there's no Washington football team player that like I'm obsessed over. Like, you know, talk to me about Colin Johnson over there from Jacksonville. Talk to me about Joe Reed from the Chargers. Like, you know, those are the, the guys that you don't see rostered in a lot of leagues that I'm like, you know, super high on. So my fandom doesn't really play a role in that. Yeah, I try to stay away from it because I don't want to be pissed at both my team for their actions on the field. And then he's killing my fantasy roster at the same time. <laughs> right. So then I'm super pissed. I'm just like, so I stay away from picking bills players for the most part. The only exception was uh, I had digs in a league last year, which panned out for me. Right. And I had Allen in one league last year, just cause I do have a lot of belief in him and that he could perform. Uh, so I, I decided to go that route. But besides that, I pretty much stay away from the bills. I it, I really do. It's just, it's always been that way for me. Maybe not the defense, but even that, I still shy away from. Yeah, I like speaking Stephon of your Diggs, boys man, over there in Washington. I, yeah, I like your that, Washington that, boys. <laughs> I keep on starting. Go ahead. I think there's a little bit of a delay uh, that's happening, like maybe about two seconds. But, anyways, I I really like the Stefan Diggs move. I think that Diggs is going to be a superstar over there for you guys, and I think it's going to continue to uh, flourish because teams are trying to stop Diggs, and they still couldn't. I was going back and watching the game film, and they were double-teaming him, and he was beating both of them off the line. It was fun to watch. Yeah, I, I when this all first took place and he came over, I was a little hesitant about it at first, and then I just started kind of watching him work a little bit, and I was like, dude, it runs the nicest routes. He's, like, unstoppable. There were some of those games where he just looked like he was on the field by himself, and there's two other guys running close to him that were supposed to be stopping him, but he was just cruising around all by himself, kind of like, yep, mm-hmm, no problem. He, he was amazing. Uh, I was definitely thrilled to have him, and and I love that he's young, right? So we're not getting just like one year of that. We should get at least a few seasons of him still being highly productive, right? Yep, I agree with that. I'm I'm excited. Yeah, so quickly, uh, we're getting closer to an hour here, but I wanted to touch base on uh, your football team you just mentioned there, the Washington football team, because I uh, after the Fitzpatrick move, uh, obviously we got some love for Fitzmagic. I was secretly a little hope that he might even come back as the backup for a year uh, just for some fun, uh, but he wants to play. And I think the way he was playing uh, for Miami at times, he proved he should be playing. And you guys, I think now looking at it, are probably going to win the division next year. He's the right guy with some of the pieces that you guys have to let them flourish, you know, and really like McLaurin, I have a little bit of action on him in a couple leagues, and I think he's going to be phenomenal with Fitzpatrick. I'm excited to see Logan Thomas actually, you know, continue to progress with Fitzpatrick. I think it's going to help out with him. What you, what's your stance on your team right now? You think you're the vision leaders? Yeah, I mean, Fitzpatrick's a, a good player, but he can also lose your games, right. which is – you know, that's scary. So sitting there and looking at Fitzpatrick, you know, as a, as your head, like starting quarterback, it's like, I don't know if I'm happy about this from a fantasy uh, standpoint, you're happy because every single wide receiver he's played with that had at least 30 receptions. saw an increase in efficiency when he came in versus his replacement that includes Jameis Winston. There was only one player that did not see an increase in efficiency. And that was Robbie Anderson as a rookie who saw an increase in efficiency with, I believe it was Geno Smith, but I'm not hundred percent sure on that whoever the replacement was. A- anyways, uh, yeah, it's, it's great for fantasy purposes. Like 
love that for fantasy purposes, but for, you know, for, for NFL purposes, like if we go out there and it's week 17, we're playing for a division championship and you know, who get who wins gets in the playoffs type thing. I don't know that I want Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, chucking up the, the bills, ball. The to, what's up? That will be against the, that will be against the Bills too. By the way, if that were to take place, Week Seventeen is going to be in Buffalo, uh, and you guys will play the Bills. I think that stuff's already set in stone. So that would be I, well. Really it would be wild. Week Eighteen. It would be Week Eighteen. Would be the final week. Well, I know you guys are playing Week Seventeen in Buffalo for sure. I know that. So that would be yeah. There, there's eighteen weeks this season. So, because we just expanded to 17 games. Right. So there's 18 weeks. So last week, the week that we'd be playing, did I say week 17? Oh, it's week 17 is when we're supposed to play. Uh, I, well, I meant yeah. week 18 when we're yeah. playing for the champ, conference right, championship. Right. Yeah, well, it's all Sorry, changed now. Yeah, no, no, it's all changed now. Yeah, I, uh, I don't want us, you know, in the final game of the season, you know, having Ryan Fitzpatrick to chuck the ball. But if it does happen... And week 17 is that line. I hope it is up against the Bills because he loves to murder guys that he used to play for or, you know, in, in that yeah, AFC. Well, it's true. If it, if it is week 18, the last one, because I wasn't even thinking about that either, is that we will have 18 weeks now. It'll be, it'll be a division, right? I'm sure they'll keep that the same. So it, it would be probably a division rival that you'd be playing at the end with it all on the line. But that's how your division rolls like every year. They just take it down to the last week anyways. It's like the goal of the division each year, I think, is for you guys to all end up close at the very end. So anybody can have it. Yeah, it, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see how this, this 17 uh, game thing, you know, pans out. But, you know, as to the Ryan Fitzpatrick point, I hope that we don't go out and draft Mac Jones. Yeah, I was like going to ask you that be, next, what you thought your draft position would be then, right? Because he's obviously just a one-year bridge, right? Like, it's not end-all, be-all. I don't even know how I feel about this. I think what's going to happen is is we're going to end up doing very well this year. Um, I hope we don't take a quarterback. I really don't. I hope we actually make a play for Matt Ryan this following year because the Falcons can move on from Matt Ryan after this year uh, you know, and not have a huge cap hit against them. And it could be that time for them to rebuild where, you know, they get maybe a first round pick from us and, you know, maybe a third, something like that. It'll be interesting to see how the Falcons go about rebuilding. Yeah. That's an interesting thought going after Matt Ryan. He's definitely, he's, he's definitely having, you know, the, he's not having the same success in Atlanta anymore, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's washed up either. Right. Like some of these no, guys, just need a, quarterback yeah, last year. they just need a fresh start sometimes. I'm kind of in the yeah, boat. I, yeah, go ahead. No, no, up to you. Go. Yeah, I was I'm kind of in the boat too of uh like what would you think of like Mitch Trubisky next year in Washington? Maybe Brian uh is it Dable or Dabble? Dable, yeah. That, that's what I thought. Okay. Brian Dable. I, I feel like, you know, he has a little bit of quarterback magic. Now I knew that Josh Allen worked a lot with Jordan Palmer. Right. And his team over there developing, you know quarterback i guess uh technology to help them throw better mm-hmm. so i know that was a big piece to it but brian dable's a very very good coach and mitch trubisky and josh allen they both have very similar ter- similar characteristics so maybe mitch trubisky can get on the right track with that and you know pull like a Jameis winston type thing but i you know I, I feel like we would have to get a stud after this year like this is you know this is a bridge but in order for us to get to a you know, Super Bowl type level, we would have to go out and get a stud. Now, my issue is, is that our salary cap or the salary cap as a whole, 
you know, we're going to have these defensive studs like Matt Ioannidis and Josh Allen. I mean, I'm sorry, Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne. You know, they're all going to start to become free agents here very shortly. So we're going to have to spend a lot of money to retain some of these defensive pieces. And I don't know that we're going to have a ton of money to go after a quarterback, but we've seen, you know, how the salary cap can be reworked and whatnot as of late. So salary cap is real, by the way, people still have to get cut that they want to have on their team, but some players mean more. Uh, I just hope we keep this defense, you know, anchored and together. Yeah, the defense is really good, and I I think that you will because that's kind of how Riverboat Ron rolls, right? He he likes camaraderie, he likes continuity. He you know that's what he always did in Carolina. That's how they were so successful for so long, right? You keep guys close, and you make it so when you're trying to install these packages in the off season, you can put a lot of more stuff in because the guys already know everything, right? It, they just need a quick little refresher on most of the book, and then we get to move on to the good stuff, right? So I I think that's cool. I do have a thing I said a few weeks back. I do have this. F- feeling that Dable is going to leave next year and Trubisky is going to be his quarterback wherever he goes, whatever team oh, he ends smart. up taking over, right? He might have his quarterback in the room already that he's teaching right now, right? And he could just take him with him because he's going to be a free agent and he can promise him his shot, right? You know, so it's an interesting thought, but we're coming up on uh, close to an hour here and I want to give you some time to just chat up everything you've got going on, anything you really want to plug that you're getting ready to do. I know we mentioned at the beginning of the show, you've got 85 things you're doing right now, but which ones uh, does everybody need to know about? We'll make sure everybody knows where to find you and all that kind of stuff, but what do you really want to speak on here at the end? So... I actually have opened up we, you know, I, I talked in the beginning of the show about how, you know, we have people like writers, you know, for example, that, you know, have come on, we're just giving them a platform. We're, we're teaching them how to do the right things. I'm going through, when I edit articles and stuff, I don't go in and I fix everything. I actually do suggestive editing, which shows you, you know, what you change. And if you want to change it, you can change it. If you don't want to change it, no big deal. It's up to you. I'll publish it as long as it meets up, you know, with our standards. And we have our writing standards on fantasyintervention.com. You can go in there, join our circle. You can see our writing standards. But we're about to do another wave of, you know, bringing more team members on because I do it in waves to make sure that I don't have to teach it at separate times, you know, like one person at one time. So right. I can just teach everybody once. And uh, so we're about to do another wave. I was going through my emails actually right before the show. And I was going through and looking at, you know, who we wanted to bring on. We don't bring on just anybody. But at the same time, I understand that, you know, writing mistakes are human and, you know, it's just part of the the learning process. So we're also not completely strict, but I'm about to do another open up again to do another wave of bringing team members on. And if you want to go apply, you can actually go to fantasyintervention.com. Once again, it's under that join our circle tab. Um, You go to write for us and, you know, you submit and we're not just limiting to writers, right? We also do, you know, video shows, essentially those three minute clips that we call quick shots. And if you're good enough and you do enough of them, we'll actually allow you to have your own show. Like, for example, in 30 minutes, I'm about to hop on to my game show, right, that I had this idea with, but I don't have the time to run another show because I was running my website. So I went to two of my guys that were producing content and, you know, keeping up with everything. And they're like, hey, um, you know, I was like, hey, I, I got this idea. And you guys can take it and run with it. If y'all want, we'll have it as part of fantasy intervention. And and we put it together. And the first show was horrible. It was crazy bad. Uh, <laughs> it was, you know, the like we had this, like, uh, we put it together. It looked like on paint was the game board. But as it progressed and we got more, you know, video editors on the team and whatnot, they actually made like a really sick, like, slideshow for it. And it's called The Blitz. And it's actually a trivia game show. It's every Thursday at 7. You can find it at joinourcircle underscore. Yeah, it's... uh. 
it's been like, it's very fun to be able to give people an opportunity. So if you want an opportunity in the fantasy industry or even football industry as a whole, you know, you want to learn how to write, you want to learn how to do shows, you want to learn how to podcast, right? Go join our team, like go join our circle or apply to, you know, and and we're constantly bringing new people in, probably do it once every two to three weeks, maybe four at the most, if I have too much going on. But, uh, you know, we're constantly having waves of people come in and then waves of people getting jobs at other sites, which is amazing. That's, you know, I know that we're going to be a recycling unit for now up until we make it big. It's just part of the process. So, yeah, uh, go check us out. Fantasyintervention.com. Go join our circle and we'll teach you. We'll teach you how to roll. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, uh, like I mentioned, I came across the group. I've got a couple more of you guys coming up here in the next couple of weeks from the join our circle crew as well. So it's a cool family. They're doing a lot of cool stuff over there. I've been checking out some of the trivia games and watching some of the things too. It's fun. It's interesting. It's like stuff that you wouldn't think about. Right. And then you start immediately thinking back through all the stats and you get to find some cool things from the season, right? Like you'll find out some stat and you're like, Oh, no kidding. I did not realize that stat right until the question was asked and you're like, Oh, that's very cool. But so you guys, well, all this stuff will be in the notes. Make sure you guys get connected with chase uh, over at Twitter and over at fantasyinterventions.com and everything. Great follow. They're putting together great stuff over there. So make sure you check them out. Um, I just want to say everybody that's listening in, thank you. Um, you know, the nerd isn't going anywhere unless we've got people listening and, you know, learning about all these charities and things of that nature. So I appreciate all you guys listening in. Uh, Chase, I appreciate you for coming by today and giving me some of your time because I know you're a super busy dude. And uh, just everybody out there, be safe. Um, we're getting close to the end of the road here, you know, so continue to mask up, uh, you know, take care of others, you know, check in on your family, friends and everything like that. Uh, make sure everybody Everybody's doing okay. So Chase, thanks a lot, man. Really appreciate you. No, thank you. Thank you. It was fun. All right, dude. Thanks a lot. All right, everybody. See you next week. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Buffalo Nerd with Colt Schroeder. Before you go, make sure you hit that like button and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Find Colt on all social channels at the Buffalo Nerd and at thebuffalonerd.com.